It's been good to be here this morning already. My name is Nick. I'm one of the pastors here, and I have already successfully embarrassed myself around two groups of people this morning because I didn't learn about not holding that note so long in the first worship gathering, and I fell for it again and uh, sang out in the wrong spot in the second worship gathering. So uh, you're welcome to those around me in both worship gatherings this morning. It is Christmas week, and uh, it's here And it finally feels like it, right? It finally feels cold. And while that may make some of you very happy, others of you long for warmer weather. And and some of you are like me, just want it somewhere in between. And so we don't all agree on the weather, but I do know something that we all agree on. No one likes to wait. Nobody likes to wait. Uh, Earlier this year, I preached a message on waiting. And um, shortly after... Uh, we dismissed uh, my family and uh, another family uh, from our church found ourselves at a understaffed fast food restaurant uh, on military and uh, quickly had to put to the test all that I had preached about that morning. Sometimes we have to wait uh, for minutes uh, for our food and we grow impatient. Other times you may go to an amusement park like Disney World, and I know that we have several tour guides that could give you more details, but I'm told that it's not uncommon uh, during peak uh, time of the year for folks to wait up to three hours on this ride, the mine train of all rides. The mine train is a three-hour wait a lot of times. We don't like to wait, especially not for an amusement ride. Kids don't like to wait on Christmas, one of my favorite Christmas CDs. Yes, I still listen to some CDs. as uh, a Brad Paisley song, uh, three, only 364 days to go. Looking forward to Christmas. Our uh, series is entitled, Come on Christmas. We long for Christmas to come. We don't like to wait on it, but then you grow a little bit older, and maybe you're like me, and at the beginning of the week you pray, Lord, just please let this week go by slow, because we know how fast time passes. And we know we're going to blink and it's going to be over. The family gatherings are going to be over. The presents are going to be opened and we're going to be on to a new year. And sometimes you just want it to slow down. But for the most part, we don't like to wait on Christmas. I know several families right now that are currently enjoying having their loved ones home from the military on leave for the holidays. We actually have a new member family here, the Samelkas, and they've enjoyed having Tim home uh, for the holidays. Uh, Other families have to wait for holiday gatherings, maybe some uh, over the course of years to get to reunite with family. Sometimes we have to wait years to see our loved ones, and we don't like to wait. Sometimes it's a movie or a book sequel that you're waiting for. Decades go by, and you can't wait to see that next movie or uh, read that next book, that sequel, and you have to wait decades. And sometimes for uh, sports teams and fans, it's It's hundreds of years uh, to wait on that championship. If you're a Cubs fan like me, uh, we didn't wait the whole, I didn't wait the whole 107 years, but I waited quite a few years on that championship. And then we had to wait a little bit longer for a rain delay. And then after midnight, when uh, Bryant finally threw that that, uh, throw over to first base to Rizzo and the championship was won, the wait was over. Whether it's a few minutes or over a hundred years, no one likes to wait, right? I mean, you could all relate to something there, and you've got things in your life that you don't like to wait on. Good news was given to a group of shepherds 2,000 years ago that generations of people had waited for. 
They had waited that announcement for hundreds of years. In fact, millions of people for hundreds of years had been waiting on this Messiah, this Savior, this news. Prophets and priests had spread the message far and wide. The scriptures were studied and the findings were taught and they were anticipated that one day, one day a Savior would come. That promise had been passed down from generation to generation to generation as parents and grandparents told bedtime stories of God's goodness and His promises. And they no doubt told their kids, one day, one day a Savior will come. Not only had they been waiting all that time, but by the time the announcement arrived, all hope seemed to be lost. You see, for 500 years, God had gone silent. And no doubt there had uh, been doubts crept in. Surely doubts had crept in, and they said, are the stories really true? Is there really hope? Is this going to happen? See, I... I believe in order to understand the magnitude of the angel's message, we have to have some idea of the wait. We have to have some idea of the passing time, the doubts that probably crept in. It wasn't a few hours. It wasn't even a few decades. It was also not a message that brought just some fleeting happiness, like a fast, like a, a, an amusement park ride that would maybe make you smile for a few moments. A movie that changes your mood, um, your mood for a few hours. Even the championship that can be celebrated for a year or so and then uh, losing season and then they trade all the players and then all hope is lost again, right? In a field in the middle of the night, 2,000 years ago, an angel delivered a message that had been all but given up on. A message that validated the entire Old Testament. A message that would provide more than just a momentary or fleeting happiness. And that message was yesterday's Advent reading. If you're keeping up with our Advent reading, hopefully you read that with your family yesterday. I want to invite you to turn to Luke chapter 2. Verse 8 this morning, we're not going to read the entire Christmas story, but we're going to focus on the message this morning, a message that brings great joy. And I can't emphasize that enough this morning. I want us to fully grasp what this message means to us as believers in Jesus Christ today. It's a message that had been waited on. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. The Bible says that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of of David. I want you to look at that word, those two words, great joy. And I want us to try to understand, try to grasp what that really means today. Dr. Adrian Rogers preached a sermon a couple of decades ago entitled Joy is an Inside Job. And in that sermon, 
he uh, illustrated beautifully, I believe, the difference between joy and happiness. And I, I think you might say right now, what are, you, what are you talking about, Nick? Joy and happiness, that's the, that's the same thing. What, what do you mean the difference between joy and happiness? Well, it's not the same thing, and that's one of the, one of the ways that we need to, to, one of the things we need to understand if we're really going to grasp this great joy. You see, happiness depends on what happens. Happiness, your happiness depends on what happens to you. Adrian uh, Rogers used this illustration. He said happiness registers conditions like a, therm- like a thermometer. It registers conditions. Or uh, like the thermometer that we know of today that looks like this. Joy regulates conditions. Joy is more of a thermostat. Some of you are like, what is that? Does that, what is that, how do you, what is, is that a phone, what do you do with that? And if you're like me and that is hanging in grandma's house, you know what it is and you know at least the heat portion of it works. <laughs> Sorry, mama. <laughs> I sneak back and turn it the first thing when I get in her, in her house every time. Or for you younger folks, this is what a thermostat looks like. Happiness registers conditions, joy regulates conditions. Happiness changes with those conditions. You see, a smile of happiness only lasts a few hours at most. We can carry a smile on our face, but we can't be happy all the time, nor are we expected to. Life is hard. Bad things happen. Struggles come, stress, heartbreak. Things happen that take away that smile, that happiness. But joy, joy can be everlasting. Because of the angel's message that night, we can have great joy. Think about those two, those two words, great joy. And I saw this video a week or so ago. And I don't know of another illustration of um, that great joy than these few moments right here. Check this out. Some of us, it's hard to watch that and not sing along, right? If you don't know that song, he was playing a song that says, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. That name is what provides great joy. See, he was the one that they had been waiting on for centuries. It was his birth announcement the promised Messiah, the one who would bring hope to the hopeless. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem. This news is announcing that salvation has come. The source of that great joy in complete darkness 
a light had been born. There was hope. Simeon, just a few days later, after Jesus' birth, he prayed this to God, and I can just imagine um, probably with tears of joy flowing down his face as he looks to heaven, he said this, My eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. My eyes have seen your salvation. John, in his gospel, he says that his life, Jesus' life, brought light to everyone. In a dark world, there was light, hope, salvation had come. We're going to celebrate that light at our candlelight gatherings this week. I hope that you and your family will join us and we'll talk about the fact that his light, his life brought light to everyone. It's great joy. Continue to think about those two words and what they mean to you. I think to fully grasp those two words, we not only need to remember the weight, but we need to understand and remember the desperation. The desperation that was before this message was delivered and before you came to know Christ. You see, the nativity... Uh, It's just a a cute little story, a bedtime story, a Christmas play, a television special, if we forget the hopelessness that we had without it. May we never forget the desperation that we felt, the desperation that we were in. And it doesn't just apply to those that were waiting on the Messiah to be born. It's true of all people from all time, an incredible Hopelessness was upon people before this announcement. Romans chapter 5, verse 6. The Bible says, when we were utterly helpless. Think about that phrase, utterly helpless. Christ came at just the right time. I love that that's in there. Because when we're waiting right, don't you think about what's going on at the front of the line? What is going on up there? It's just total chaos. What's, what's the problem? What's the holdup? Why can't we this line move? What's, surely there's a problem. The Bible tells us at just the right time, there was a long wait, but God knew what he was doing the whole time. Just the right time, this announcement came. It says, Christ came at just the right time, and he died for us sinners. Utterly helpless, powerless means that there's nothing that we could do about our situation. Absolutely nothing. You can all think of a time probably when you were helpless, when you couldn't do anything about what was going on. And the most recent that comes to mind for me is actually probably six or eight weeks ago. Um, my wife was awakened by an explosion, and she went out on the porch and saw what was going on, come back and, and woke me up, and we stood out on the front porch and looked to our left, and there's flames reaching to the sky. And, and it was just this massive fire. And two houses down, there's a, a, a little lady that lives there, and our worst fear was that her house was burning and there was nothing that we could do about it. You could hear the, the rafters popping and the, 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 the boards falling and just flames to the sky. And we stood there, and there's just this this weird feeling in your stomach and your gut that there's just nothing that you can do about what's going on. And, of course, out in the country, it's 10 or 15 minutes before there's even a siren. 
And thankfully, it was uh, three houses down, and it was an outbuilding, and, um, and it wasn't her house. But in that moment, there was this utter helplessness. There's nothing that you can do about it. Before Jesus came into our lives, that was our condition. We need to remember that. Our condition, you say, well, what do you mean condition? The condition that I'm talking about is sin. We just wrapped up a series on Wednesday nights with our students called Issues. And I think it was one of our best ever. I think it was well-received. Our students loved it. And it was because we dealt with their issues. And each week, whether it was family issues or tragedy or self-esteem or whatever the issue was, we made a point to remind them that there is one issue that's the largest, the biggest issue for everyone of all time. And that issue is sin. No one is exempt from it. And it's a problem. And it leaves us utterly helpless. The cost of sin, the Bible says, is death. Not physically, not physical death right then, but far worse because it's spiritually and it's eternally. Death, separation from God. And again, there's nothing that we can do about that. So when we talk about our condition, we need to realize the situation that we're in. Before this announcement, before you came to know Christ, in order to understand the great joy, we've got to understand the desperation that we were in. The Bible says we were living physically, but in fact we were dead in our sin. Walking around living, but in fact we were dead. You might at this point say, Nick, whew. I brought my family here because it's Christmas and I thought we were going to, you know, have some good news. And you're, you're just being heavy this morning. What's the problem? Well, I got, that is the good news. The good news is that a light came, that hope came, that brings great joy. You see, I think to really get those two words, great joy, we have got to understand the weight and the desperation that came before it. That baby, the Son of God, grew up. He experienced all the temptations and all the trials that we experience, yet he never sinned. He lived a perfect life. He would be the spotless, sacrificial lamb that would atone, that would pay for our sins. After 33 years of proving himself and performing miracles and teaching about eternity, he willingly gave up his life on the cross. And then incredibly, he came back to life three days later. Great joy is available because of that. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, the Bible says, Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the Spirit. Paul in the book of Ephesians says, it's only by God's grace that we are saved. We were utterly helpless. There's nothing we could have ever done, nothing we can ever do, nothing to ever save ourselves. We were hopeless. Dr. Rogers says the saddest word in the English language is hopeless. And that's where humanity stood before this announcement. Hopeless. When you've been waiting 
when you've experienced hopelessness and desperation and you receive news that a Savior is born, that light has come, that there's hope, then you can experience great joy. Joy that doesn't change with circumstances. Joy that doesn't fade away. Joy that doesn't come and go. You might say today, I'm tired of chasing happiness. I'm tired of nothing that lasts. I'm desperate, Nick. I want that joy. Well, I can tell you how I received that joy. And as I do, I would invite you to turn to Romans. Turn to Romans chapter 3. I want you to read something for yourselves in just a few moments. I was almost nine years old, and uh, I had recently lost a couple of loved ones. My cousin had passed away in a house fire, uh, odd enough, and then uh, my great-grandfather had passed away at a good old age. And I'd never experienced death before, I'd never experienced loss before, and around those uh, funerals and family gatherings, I continued to hear over and over again, well, they're in heaven with Jesus. They're saved. They knew Jesus. And I kept hearing those phrases and those lines, and I began to remember all the things that I had been taught in Sunday school and by my parents and the things that I had heard. And I started putting it all together. But it still didn't take away the worry. It still didn't take away the, that I would lay in bed at night uh, for several nights, and I couldn't sleep. And I began to think, what if something were to happen to me tonight? What if something tragic happened tonight? I don't think that I know Jesus, I don't think that I'm saved. And one night I could not stop anymore and I just cried and cried and my parents came to my room and it was that night uh, in their bedroom that they helped me put all those things together and helped me to realize that I needed to forgiveness for my sins and I needed to ask Jesus to save me and then I could have that assurance, that hope of eternal life, that great joy. And by the grace of God that night, I was saved. It was not when I was baptized in this baptistry behind me by Pastor Don Price. It was not after I'd turned a certain age. It was not after I'd attended so many worship gatherings or served in so many different ministries. It was the moment that I confessed my sin to Jesus and said, Jesus, I can't save myself. I need a Savior. And I believe that you're the Son of God and that you can do that. And it was in that moment that I received that great joy that's available to all people. Romans chapter 3, verse 22. The Bible says, We are made right with God by placing our faith in Christ Jesus. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard, yet God in His grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus Christ sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. And Jesus himself said, I am the way no one comes to the Father except through me. You want great joy today? The Bible says it's available to all people. Simeon said, I've seen your salvation that is for everyone. Trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins through his death on the cross. Trust in him for the hope of salvation that's available because of his resurrection. 
Peter said, when you've gone from hopeless to hope-filled, he said, you're filled with a glorious joy that can't be put into words. When you've gone from hopelessness to filled with hope, from desperation to salvation, you're filled with a glorious joy that can't be put into words. If that's you today, would love to talk with you. We have some friends at the Connect Corner as we dismiss in a few moments that would love to talk to you. They would love to show you how you can experience the great joy that's found only in Jesus Christ. Some of us in this room have gone through times where we might say our joy is lacking. You might be there today. You might say, Nick, it says great joy, but I'm just not feeling great joy. Something's going on. Well, Jesus is still there. It didn't disappear. Something has covered that up in your life. Caused it to be pushed to the background of your life. You remember that issue that we talked about that we all have? Sin. See, you may have the eternal punishment for your sin paid for by the blood of Jesus, but you're still struggling with how it affects your life today. David, King David prayed in the book of Psalms, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you, Lord. David prayed that after a period of his life that was ruled by sin. He had lost the great joy. He hadn't experienced the great joy because sin had crept in. And his relationship with Christ wasn't what it should have been. Maybe this morning you've forgotten how desperate you were. You've forgotten how long you waited for hope. Maybe sin has crept into your life and gotten between you and your Savior. I have good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. It's more than a Christmas carol. It's more than a, a Christmas song. It's great joy. If we can help you, come alongside you, pray for you, encourage you as you battle this distraction in your life, this sin in your life, whatever's going on, please let us know. Respond by using that Connect card. Come and talk to us. We want to be there for you. That's what the church is for. Speaking of the church, I'm going to close with this. Holland Chapel lives to help people who are far away from God find the way to Him so they can do the same for others. That's our mission. And I believe nothing is as effective in fulfilling that mission and reaching the lost than joy. It's contagious. See, if you remember, you've got that great joy and struggles and heartaches and all kinds of chaos like we saw on the video come your way. That great joy shines. It proves that your faith is real and that Jesus satisfies. I think anyone saved by the grace of God could have stood up here and preached this message today. If you've experienced the love of Jesus and been saved by the grace of God, you could stand here and you could proclaim that. But guess what? You don't have to. You do it when you live with great joy.
When you live with great joy, the world will take notice. You'll look different than everyone else. You'll remind them through your actions and through your countenance that at one time you were lost, dead in your sins and hopeless, utterly helpless. But the, shepherd, the angels gave the shepherds an announcement, an announcement that would bring great joy to all people. I invite you to join me in this prayer as we close out this series this morning. We've kind of enjoyed doing these little three or four line prayers that hopefully have been helpful to you as you follow Jesus this Advent season. We'll read this aloud and we'll close out in a few moments. Join me in reading this. Oh Lord, our God, we desire to stay focused on you this Advent season. Restore to us the joy of your salvation. Cause it to overflow into all areas of our lives as we await your Son and our Savior's return. Amen.